What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Willa. So today, as I am sure you are all aware, uh, Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom passed away, unfortunately. (gasps) Why would Meghan Markle do that? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly feel like, honestly, like my mum was saying that as well, like it's Harry and Meghan's fault. And I'm just like, uh, she was... What? (laughs) Why? She's 96. (laughs) But my mum's quite anti. I think in this country, you're either pro Harry and Meghan or anti Meghan. And my mum just falls into that camp. And it's like, she was 96. And it seems like, If you look at her final photo with the new British Prime Minister, Liz Truss, you can see she doesn't look far from the morgue. Like her hands are literally purple. I mean, I'm being being deathly serious here because her hands are like really purple. And I saw her and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she looks like she's lost a substantial, well, not substantial, but quite a bit of weight as well. And I think ever since her husband, Prince Philip, like passed away last year, it was just a matter of time before she would go as well. I just want to form I just want to formally say as well, I do hope Queen Elizabeth rests in peace. I'm not a monarchist at all, but I think given the fact that she was like never supposed to be queen in her lifetime, and given the fact that she came to the role at such a young age, I think that she did a phenomenal job and I mean, I say I worry about the future of the monarchy, but I don't worry in the sense that I'm like sad about that. I'm not concerned, but I do think that now she's gone, anti-monarchy movement and Republican sentiment, like not just in the UK, but across the Commonwealth as well, because we still rule over Canada, technically too, is going to strengthen. Yeah, she's our queen too. Yeah, Queen Lizzie. It's kind of weird, but... Which is fucked up. This is really fucked up, yeah. We ain't got no crusty old queen over here. Hashtag America. I just wanted to express my genuine, and I'm genuinely sad that Queen Elizabeth has passed away because it was just for her. Because her son is so much worse. That's the main reason I'm sad. I mean, her son is so much worse, number one, but also she really marks the end of an era. She's the only monarch or like British monarch that my parents, that I've known, that my parents have known. And it just breaks my heart that my niece, who was born in May this year, is only going to know King Charles III. It just makes me really upset. And it's just like, when she passed away as well, like literally her body hadn't even been to the morgue before he was like King Charles III. And I'm just like, what the fuck? No, no, Lizzie, come back. I mean, yeah, that's how monarchy works. The moment the monarch draws their last breath, their eldest son, or I guess now eldest child is the monarch now, but like, He's far from a child at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, he's a seven-year-old man with five sausages sewn together that he calls hands. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke, like, several years ago. <laughs> His hands look like pork sausages left out in the sun too long, basically. I mean, it was actually like a running joke for years, like if Charles would ever be king, like if he would croak before his mom. And I remember watching like a British comedian, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying like, I bet he plays like, you know, the Lion King song, I just can't wait to be king. (laughs) 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 I bet he plays that in his bedroom when him and his mom fall out. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say though, like, so Twitter, the day the Queen died, obviously Twitter was extremely disrespectful. I'm not like, you know... <laughs> That's your Twitter? <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to participate in it, but 
I mean, I want to say actually like, you know, Queen Lizzie, I mean, yeah, she's like, can I say actually, first of all, like Canadian reaction to Queen Elizabeth's death is very much like, yay, we get a bank holiday. Like, that's just kind of (laughs) pretty much it. I mean, most people in Canada go like a long time not thinking about the fact that we still have a queen, like that the queen is our official head of state. She's still your head of state, yeah. Like, we learned that in grade five in like our civics class, you know, in elementary school. But like, after that, I could probably go months at a time without thinking about Queen Elizabeth. And then now that she's died, it's like, oh, we get a holiday. Like, isn't that nice? So it's like, yeah, I mean, are there people that are sad? I I don't know. Maybe the prime minister? I mean, talking about like bank holidays as well, like in the UK, so they planned for the monarch's death for like decades. So it was called, I think, Operation London Bridge and then Operation Unicorn because she passed away in Scotland. So originally the plan wasn't for it to be a bank holiday and everyone was like, but that's like the only... (laughs) This is going to sound really bad, but that's like the only benefit in quotation marks to her dying is that we get a bank holiday. I know, right? People are so cynical. So they were like, we're not going to have a bank holiday. We're not going to have a bank holiday. And then like at some point late this week, Charles uh, made it a national bank holiday. Like usually in the UK, a bank holiday is things are still open, but on reduced hours. So instead of doing, say, you know, for example, 7am to 10pm, it will be like 10am to 4pm, for example. But this time, literally everything in the UK is shut. Food banks are shut. Doctors are shut. Advice lines are shut. Even fucking McDonald's is shut till 5pm so that everyone can watch the funeral. So they're really taking this thing quite seriously and too far in my opinion kind of north korea-ish honestly i don't know <laughs> it's almost like it's in forced mourning oh we're closing to pay our respects and it's like yeah i get you know she was the sovereign and she's passed away and it's a historical event but that doesn't mean that life should stop for everyone else for a day i don't think but that's just me Yeah, this is all completely foreign to me as an American, because when our presidents die, it basically only affects the city that they're buried in. Like we have a national day of mourning and then like, or the government, right? The actual federal government will usually observe. Is it just one day of mourning? You guys are cold. (laughs) You guys are cold. I mean, when JFK got murdered, it was like a way bigger deal though, right? Yeah, I guess if it was an assassination, that's a completely different thing. But like, if they're out of office and they die from old age. Oh yeah, if they're out of office, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. They're out of office. They died of old age. And even if they die in office, like we've had Supreme Court justices (laughs) die in office of like just natural causes. And don't all Supreme Court justices die in office because isn't it until they die? It's a lifetime. Yeah. A lot of them actually do step down before they actually physically die. But it is unexpected and unusual for a Supreme Court justice to die in office because most of them, they'll usually retire before they actually croak. But that's why it was such a huge thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because she didn't step down during the Obama administration where people were kind of pressuring her to because the expectation is that Hillary would have won over Trump won. So then she died while Trump was in office. And so Trump got an extra seat to a point. One day. That's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really, really optional. And it's really only observed by government employees, to be honest. That's like the government will shut down for a little bit. And so do you get people like, because people literally have been queuing for like 30 hours to see the Queen's. I believe the coffin is empty. I don't think that coffin has got her body in it, but people have been queuing for 30 hours to see her coffin in Westminster Hall. Is that not a thing in the US either? People don't like queue to see. It depends on the president and I guess how people feel about them. I I think when Bush Sr. died, he was a very uh, mid-president. What, one person went? (laughs) 
No, I wouldn't say no. I mean, he was, there's a lot of people that like are presidential, I don't say fans, but like they're very much into like the presidential history, et cetera. And then you have people that are fans of Bush specifically, but there's like, our country's polarized enough that there's a lot of people that aren't fans of particular presidents. Then it's like, we pay them their respects like you would any president of the United States, but like, no, they, they don't have a fan club, right? Like, it's just sort of like, well, he's old now. Right. Okay. It's not like here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and no, there's no force enforced like mourning because of the fact that like, like at least half the country on any given president's like, yeah, fuck him. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> to be honest. I'm like, that's America. <laughs> no, but presidents can only be president for up to eight years. Queen Lizzie, Queen Elizabeth, God rest her. She was queen for 70 years, right? I actually want to have a moment to appreciate a few of her most queenly moments. Like she was a truck driver. A multi-decade boss bitch, yeah. <laughs> a multi-decade girl boss. So she was... <laughs> I mean, she was queen when like Eisenhower and JFK were in office. That's wild. She was a truck driver in World War II, okay? And then when the Saudi prince came to visit her, was it Balmoral Castle? She was like, oh, you want to like get a tour of the estate? And he was like, sure. She ended up being his driver and then she drove like a fucking maniac just to scare the shit out of him and troll him. Just to scare him. And I'm like, honestly, base, like, I support her for that reason alone. Yes, there's the whole colonialism thing that's like, er, like, you know, that's, <laughs> I'm glad that Charles is now inheriting that problem because he's going to get fucking wrecked. <laughs> but, but Queen Lizzie, I mean, I can't hate her. I love her. And the way she trolled the US Senate. So when she went to, she did her first state trip, I think, or like an official trip to the US in the early 90s or something. And she gave a speech I think it was at the White House, but they didn't adjust the podium. So you literally couldn't see her. You could just hear her voice, but you couldn't see her because they didn't adjust the podium. The next day she goes to I think the Senate and Congress and she opens a speech and says, well, I hope you can all see me now. And they all just burst out laughing, just like low key trolling them. <laughs> like, <laughs> she had a moment like that in Canada too, where she came to do a speech and Trudeau like said like, oh, you know, you've been here for so many, I don't know, 12 prime ministers. I don't remember the exact amount, but, you know, she'd been queen for X number of prime ministers in Canada. And then when she was finally able to speak, she was like, well, thank you for making me feel so old. And then everyone just burst out laughing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she did, like, really seem to have a really good sense of humor. I mean, she took the role seriously, but she didn't seem to take herself that seriously, which was quite refreshing. So, yeah, RIP Queen Lizzie. I'm actually kind of sad that you're gone because... Because your son is terrible. But didn't she not get along with Charles, though? Because, like, he was afraid of horses, right? She loved riding horses. And then she tried to bond with her son over horses. But he was like, mm, like, horses are too big and scary. And so they just, like, didn't get along. <laughs> I mean, we'll touch on that. Because I'm quite, even though I'm not a monarchist, but I'm really into, like, royal history and families. And historically speaking, like, royals, like, siblings and families, they have quite tumultuous relationships. So I know that, for example, Edward VIII, who abdicated for Wallace, had a terrible relationship with his mother and his brother, the future King George, who was Elizabeth's dad over the whole abdication thing. They had quite a bad relationship. Edward wanted... So basically, when he abdicated, he lost his rights as sovereign. So he then had to rely on the new king for money. And Edward would literally harass King George every single day for money. It's <laughs> just the beggar king. <laughs> yeah, basically to the point where King George said, like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to him. Just don't put his calls through. And so they often, I guess, because of the family dynamics would be very, very different in a royal family. Like you basically, for example, Charles's siblings, they will know that he will one day be king. 
And that will change the family dynamic, I think, quite a negative way if you have a sibling who is just born to literally rule over you one day. But yeah, so let's go to King Charles III. So is this the official roast of uh, now King Charles III, right? (laughs) But I can't even bring myself to say it because it just feels just so wrong, like King Charles the. Wasn't the last two King Charleses, weren't they, like, really unpopular and got beheaded and shit? Like, <laughs> I think one of them was executed, yeah. The last two King Charleses were a failure. Like, Charles will be a cursed name for a monarch for a while. <laughs> but that's the reason why I was quite surprised that he took Charles as his regnal name, because basically they can choose from any of their first four given names, which is, let me find out what they are. It's, it's, it's called his regnal name? Like, it's his reigning name? Yeah, it's not always the same as their given name. So Elizabeth's father was actually called Albert. But when he ascended the throne, he took the name George after his grandfather. So, I mean, so Charles could have also picked from King Philip, King Arthur, not King Arthur, Excalibur and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Or Excalibur. (laughs) Do not remove Excalibur. Or he could have been another George, but he picked Charles, which I think, like Lilith said, it's cursed. Kings with the name George do better than Charles. Yeah, they tend to be better than Charles. At least they... Well, except King George III, actually. Yeah. So let's talk about Charles Arthur Philip George of Windsor, and who is now the sovereign of the United Kingdom. Where to start with Charles III? So I sort of feel like Charles III was set up to be a scrote from a really young age because he was very close to one of his great uncles, and that was that Lord Mountbatten, who was prince philip's maternal uncle and what lord mountbatten basically advised charles to do was to sow his royal oats as a young prince of wales and then find a young naive virgin to settle down with for marriage because that basically a young naive virgin wouldn't challenge him and obviously that seems to be exactly what charles did and we all know what happened to diana in that scenario so i think he was sort of set up to be quite scrotish from a young age with that sort of advice So actually, so for those of us who don't remember or know, uh, what happened? All I know is that they eventually divorced and that basically the firm ganged up against her because... Yeah, I sometimes forget you're an American, right? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I vaguely, vaguely remember some of it, but it's like... Okay, so sit back and buckle up. So basically, Charles met a woman named Camilla Shand, who is now Queen Consort Camilla, during the 1970s. And they got really close, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. However, the establishment or the firm, i.e. the royal family, they didn't believe that Camilla was suitable enough to be a wife because she wasn't a virgin, she had other boyfriends. So the relationship ended and Camilla eventually went on to marry Andrew Parker Bowles and and they had children together. So Camilla was off the table. Then Charles began shopping for a bride. And actually, quite surprisingly, he got turned down quite a lot. (laughs) 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 And the thing is as well, like, the same thing happened to William, just to sidetrack a bit. So William, when he split up with Kate Middleton, like now known as Princess of Wales, briefly in 2007, and I was reading an article, I put an extract in the FDS Discord chat, where it was basically saying, <laughs> basically saying how William basically only went back to Kate because he got turned down by so many other women in his circle. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of young Prince Charles and I get it. Yeah, he's kind of goofy looking. <laughs> you know, like that redheaded guy that has the goofy face that used to be on the 
the front cover of Mad Magazine. Yeah, he has that like cartoonishly bad face. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a cartoonishly ugly face. <laughs> but it's also the reason why, especially guys like uh, William and Charles will get turned down is that becoming... I guess, Princess of Wales and eventually Queen Consort, it brings an amount of scrutiny that not everyone can handle. So our press is very different to the American press is that the American press will only really give a shit if you put yourself out there and you're in certain cities. But the British press is relentless. That's actually why like one of Harry's ex-girlfriend, they dated for a very, very long time. She was called Chelsea Davies. She was a South African. That was why she dumped him because she couldn't handle the scrutiny. And obviously, when you become Princess of Wales, there's a long list of things that you just cannot do. And that's off-putting to some women. Like, you can't speak in public. You can't have an opinion. I think Diana, at one point, she couldn't even see her own parents unless they had an appointment because her life was so controlled. It's like a gilded cage. So I completely, on the surface, it seems like who wouldn't want to be a princess and marry a prince? But it's not all it, like, cut out to be. Yeah, because young Prince William was at least handsome. Not old Prince William, though. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, now he's like a balding scrotal sack. But <laughs> it's almost like Diana's jeans like left the chat like in 2010. Honestly, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Because like you look at him when he's young, and it's like, oh, he's a very handsome man. He looks like his mother, Diana. Yeah, and then now now he looks like Charles. I find it hard to believe that King Charles was ever a playboy, though. Like, there's that one clip of him frolicking with girls on the beach, but I'm like, mmm. Oh, there is. Oh, there is. I mean, he would have, like, got, like, women easily, but it's one thing to have, like, a mistress, but it's another thing to find a woman that you want to marry. To find wife material or a woman who wants to be your wife if you're going to be a shitty king. Yeah, so back to Diana's story. So Charles actually started dating her older sister, Sarah, but that relationship ended because I think Sarah like blabbed to the press about it. So that ended. And then it was so weird. Charles met Diana when he was like 29 and she was 16. And he said like she was a very beautiful, attractive 16 year old. And I was like, oh my God. What a creep. So anyway, they get together. Eventually, he starts courting Diana. And Diana, at the time, who was known as like Lady Diana Spencer, uh, she was seen as a serious prospect because she was attractive. She was a virgin. She didn't have any like baggage, so to speak, that Camilla... She came from a good family, like monarchy-wise. I mean, people say like Diana was just a commoner, but she absolutely wasn't. Like her brother, who is now the Earl Spencer, his godmother is the queen. Like their families were very close. And Diana grew up on the Sandringham estate, which is where the royal family like to spend. It's their estate down in Norfolk. So she was like well acquainted with the royal family by the time they got engaged. So yeah, they get engaged. And it was actually quite interesting because Diana then she started having cold feet because obviously when it was announced that she was engaged to Charles, public interest in her just shot up and, you know, designers were wanting to design dresses for her. But that also came with a lot of scrutiny. And at the time she was really, really young as well. You know, so it's quite difficult to go from like an anonymous member of the nobility to the future princess of Wales, like overnight. And so she said to her mum, I don't want to go through with this. But her mum basically said, well, they've sent the invites now. And basically saying, you just have to just deal with it. So Charles and Diana get married. Like later on in interviews, Diana actually says that they barely ever had sex, like maybe once every couple of weeks. And she just thinks it was just to have sex just so that Charles could have an heir, basically. Not because he loved her, which is quite sad. Ew. 
That's so rapey. That's like using a woman's body as like an incubator for the future air. It's just so like, it's just so rapey. It's like, oh, like marital duties, you know? Gross. Yeah. And so she literally said he was getting his fix elsewhere. So at some point during their marriage, he restarts his relationship with Camilla. At this time, they're both married. So Camilla's married to Andrew. Charles obviously married to Diana. So they have an affair. And it results in that disgusting telephone conversation where Uh, Ro, have you ever heard the tampon story no let me read it out okay 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 have you heard of this Ro? no i've only heard the one phrase that keeps being repeated on twitter but i i haven't heard okay that was the first time i actually heard of it was i saw it on twitter after queen elizabeth died let me get the transcript let me get the transcripts (laughs) let me get the receipts (laughs) let me get the transcripts pull up the receipts so, okay. <laughs> I saw you guys to read it in your British, because you could do a high class British accent better than I can. Okay, okay. Lilith, you do the British. <laughs> Wait, me? You want me to read it? Okay, okay. Let I'll drop it in the chat, and one of you can be Charles, the other can be Camilla, because you guys do like in our fake British accents. Okay. Yeah, you guys do the high society one better than I can. <laughs> so just scroll down, and you'll find the transcript. Wait, I want to be Charles. I want to be Charles. And Ro, can you be Camilla? <laughs> okay, I'll be Camilla. Okay, okay. This call was disgusting, but we're going to recite it for your pleasure. So you can see how <laughs> His Majesty King Charles III, how he talks dirty. Okay, it's called, I think, Camillagate the manuscript. All at the bottom. Take it away, ladies. <laughs> So wait, starts with Charles. Anyway, you know, that's the sort of thing that one has to be aware of. And I <laughs> sort of feel one's way along with, if you know what I mean. Mmm, you're awfully good feeling your way along. <laughs> oh, stop. I want to feel my way along you, all over you, and up and down you, and in and out. Oh. <laughs> Particularly in and out. Oh, that's just what I need at the moment. <laughs> Is it? I know what would revive me. I can't bear Sunday night without you. Oh, God. It's like that program, Start the Week. I can't start the week without you. <laughs> I can't read it. I fill up your tank. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> then you can cope. Then I'm all right. What about me? The trouble is, I need you several times a week. Mm, so do I. I need you all the week. All the time. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> this is like high school when you're like theater kids. Like, this feels like... Okay, okay. I'm back in character. Okay. <clears throat> oh, God. I'll just live inside your trousers or something. It would be much easier. <laughs> what are you going to turn into, a pair knickers? Or, God forbid, a Tampax. Just my luck. You are a complete idiot. Oh, oh, what a wonderful idea. My luck to be chucked down the lavatory to go on and on forever, swirling around on the top, never going down. Oh, oh, darling. Until the next one comes through. Or perhaps you could come back as a box. What sort of box? A box of Tampax. So you could just keep going. <laughs> so that's true. Repeating yourself. <laughs> oh, darling, I just want you now. Do you? Mm-hmm. Mm, so do I. Okay, so end scene. <laughs> Did I? That was a good impersonation. Oh, honestly, you sounded like Charles. 
So <laughs> that is our king of England saying that he wants to be swelling around in the toilets. Tampax. I don't think he understands how tampons work, to be honest. You don't throw them in the toilet. Wait, no, there's way more. I'm like reading ahead. Oh my god, can we fi- can we finish this manuscript? Because it's like now I'm invested. Okay. Open scene. Okay. Night, darling. I love you. I love you too. I don't want to say goodbye. Well done for doing that. You're a clever old thing. An awfully good brain lurking there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Oh, darling. I think you ought to give the brain a rest now. Night, night. Night, darling. God bless. I do love you, and I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Don't be silly. I've never achieved anything. Your greatest achievement is to love me. Oh, darling, easier than falling off a chair. (laughs) You suffer all these indignities and tortures and calumnities. Oh, darling, don't be so silly. I'd suffer anything for you. That's love. It's the strength of love. Night, night. Night, darling. Sounds as if you're dragging an enormous piece of string behind you with hundreds of tin pots and cans attached to it. What? What? Night. What? I thought this was a tampon thing. Sounds as if you're dragging an enormous piece of string behind you with hundreds of tin pots and cans attached to it. Night, night. Before the battery goes down, blows kiss. Night. Is this some kind of reference we're missing? The tin cans? I'm so confused. I don't know what the fuck he's on about. And then the next column is just like, I love you. I don't want to say goodbye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> love you. Bye. Night, night. Love you forever. Night. Bye, darling. Night. Let's do a speed run. Let's do a speed run. Love you. Uh, don't want to say goodbye. Neither do I, but you must get some sleep. Bye. Bye, darling. <laughs> love you. Bye. Hopefully talk to you in the morning. Please. Bye. I do love you. Night. 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 <laughs> love you forever. <laughs> Night. Goodbye, my darling. Night. Night, night. Night. Bye, bye. Going. Gone. Going. Gone. Night. Bye, press the button. Going to press the tit. (laughs) All right, darling, I wish you were pressing mine. (laughs) God, I wish I was harder and harder. Oh, darling. Night. Night. Love you. Scene. <laughs> Round of applause. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that was a reenaction of the telephone conversation between His Majesty the King Charles III and Queen Consort Camilla. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one of my greatest FDS podcast moments. <laughs> I was doing a script read with Rowe. Lilith the podcaster in her acting debut <laughs> as King Edward III. Why did I say King Edward? As King Charles III. I've never heard the audio of that. Is there an audio or is it only the written manuscript? I think it's just a transcript because somebody recorded it surreptitiously and leaked it to the press. And then the fallout was bad, like bad. You know, let's not forget Diana also had affairs during the marriage as well. So Queen, good for her. She deserved it. Yeah, that's totally different. She earned the right to have those affairs. Charles did not. (laughs) I mean, I genuinely, but it was really sad for Diana because she went, allegedly, she went to the queen really upset because Charles didn't even bother to hide the fact that he was cheating on her. 
And when she went to the Queen and Philip and said, look, this is what's happening, the Queen was basically sort of like, what do you want to do about it? And Charles had the attitude of, well, you know, the Prince of Wales has always had a mistress, so why can't I have one? It's so weird how history works. Didn't Prince Philip cheat on the Queen? Also a scrote. He probably did. Yeah. Charles is like great, great grandfather. I think it was Edward VII. He had a mistress called Alice Keppel, who was Camilla's great, great grandmother. So their great grandparents shagged. It's so weird how history plays out. So yeah, basically Diana was basically told to put up and sharp. So then she went to have affairs of her own. She became very bulimic because Charles made like an offhanded comment. I'm not sure if he was joking, but he basically grabbed her waist before the wedding, bearing in mind she was already very small. And he basically said, oh, you, like basically saying that she was fat or insinuating that she was fat. What a fucking piece of shit. But yes, you know, so she lost a substantial amount of weight, like for her wedding. I think the dressmaker said they had to resize it quite substantially because she lost that much weight. And over the years in their marriage, you start to see the cracks appearing in part because I think the royal family just didn't expect Diana to be as popular as she was. And she very quickly overshadowed Charles. Which honestly isn't hard, right? He's just like goofy looking and entitled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's a wet sap. Like he's a wet sap. Like obviously she's going to overshadow him. She's beautiful and amazing and charismatic and smart. Yeah, you know, she was young and she was really charismatic. Yeah, so like when they were going out to place, it was really peak. So like normally, like if they were going to like a walkabout, they call it, where they have crowds on either side, Charles would go to one side, Diana would go to the other and just greet the people. But the people on Charles's side were like, where's Diana? So they weren't interested in him. <laughs> Imagine being the literal future king, like the son of the queen of England and like, or the queen of like 30 countries and no one wants to see you and everyone wants to see your wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> good for her yeah and a similar thing happened when Meghan markle first came to the uk so she was doing a walkabout with the queen and then somebody said to queen elizabeth oh can you give these flowers to Meghan?" i was like Shit! no <laughs> and then elizabeth obviously was like she just awkwardly like gestured to an aide to, but can you imagine like saying can you give these flowers to somebody like so much I guess, like, so much more junior than her. But after that, Meghan Markle was marked. But anyway, we'll come to that later. Yeah, she had a target on her back after that. (laughs) She was... (laughs) I just say that. So anyway, it all completely blows up in the early 90s and Charles and Diana both very publicly admit their affairs and they basically, the Queen and Prince Philip advised them to divorce, basically. I think Philip and the Queen tried to mediate between them, but it turns out Philip was quite a shit marriage counsellor word (laughs) (laughs) and so they just go their separate ways and then diana does that tell-all interview with martin bashir which by the way he conned her into doing it which was really shitty of him he basically lied to her and told her that they were planning to kill her or something that's the only reason why she did it so he basically like conned her into it but she basically lifts the lid on the royal family and just exposes all of them in that interview and i would definitely recommend watch because i watched that interview a few months ago and i wasn't really i didn't know much about diana because she passed away before i was born but the way she carries herself the way she speaks i mean she's absolutely mesmerizing like i was just trying transfixed to what she was saying the whole time and the way she was talking about something that was quite was obviously deeply traumatic like her marriage broke down publicly and she wanted it to work
work because her parents had been divorced. You know, she really, really wanted that husband and, you know, two and a half kids in a white picket fence life. And I just feel so sad that the royal family basically robbed her of having that. And obviously Diana passes away in 1997 and that was a shock for the nation. I would even say that the grief from that, or my dad would say because he was actually, I don't remember it, but even he said like the grief for that was... 10 times bigger than what than the grief we're seeing for Elizabeth like the flowers at Kensington they were five feet deep so if you imagine somebody's five foot tall it was as tall as them like the country like literally came to a standstill and then the royal family and the queen was quite publicly accused of not giving a shit because they didn't make a statement for a long time and people were saying like why aren't you saying anything Maybe that's why they're doing the enforced mourning thing. Like, maybe that's why Charles... This is Charles the, still being a scrote. Like, he doesn't want, like, the royal family to get upstaged by Diana. That's why he's doing the whole bank holiday thing. Because he wants, like, the Queen's mourning to be bigger than Diana's. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it would have always been bigger than Diana's because, I mean, the Queen's, like, death was planned ever since she came to the throne. So if she died in 1960, it w- probably would have been the same thing to be fair. No, but like the genuine sadness, like if I'm being honest, like no one's like genuinely sad. I mean, she was 96. Cause yeah, cause she's older. I think that's why princess Diana, it's like, she's so young and we had time to cope and adjust. Well, not we, cause I don't care, but I mean, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Princess Diana was literally a shock and it was rumored that she was going to marry again, possibly to a man of color. And then it might've, just made things a bit awkward and weird. But also what was quite sad as well was that they stripped her of her style. So she couldn't call herself HRH anymore, which I thought was wrong because she would have been the mother of William, who's a future king. You can't really say she's not like HRH, but I think the royal family did that sort of out of spite. And that's why she was known as Diana, Princess of Wales. And Camilla knew that as well, because when Camilla was technically Princess of Wales after she married Charles in 2005, she never used the title. She called herself the Duchess of Cornwall. And the royal family refers to her as that because they just know that that title was so strongly associated with Diana. And now it's gone to Kate, but Kate doesn't have obviously the history that Camilla had with Diana and that she was shagging her husband. Now she's shagging her son. Just kidding. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So Diana passes away quite dramatically and then... Charles and Camilla, they start publicly dating again. By this point, Camilla's divorced as well. So they start publicly dating again in around 1999 and get married in 2005. And the palace sort of did a bait and switch with the people. So they initially said like, oh, when Charles becomes king, she'll be princess consort, obviously because Camilla's still not very popular here. So they said she'll be princess consort. She'll have a lesser title. And then during this year, during the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, the Queen comes out with a statement saying, it's my dearest wish that she'll be known as Queen Consort. So I was like, you said that at the peak of your popularity, so we wouldn't really notice what you're doing here. But yeah, basically Camilla's now Queen Consort. So the side chick can level up. Honestly, I mean, I'm not mad about the side chick leveling up. Like, you know, I saw some some tweets that were like, oh yeah, side chick is now the queen, like, oh, kind of thing. It's like, it started with Anne Boleyn, okay? And Anne Boleyn was also, you know, got undeserved misogyny. I feel like the reasons why she was kept out of being his wife was misogyny in the first place. So it's like, this entire situation could have been avoided if they would have just let Camilla and Prince, well, now King Charles, get married in the first place. And the entire reason why they couldn't get married, despite them clearly uh, being 
grossly, grossly obsessed with each other. It was just pure misogyny on the part of the firm saying she wasn't virginal enough. I mean, he stayed with the same side chick. Like, he's outlasted pretty much everybody else. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) She wasn't a side chick. She was his true... She was his main... That was his true love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she was his true love from the beginning, right? And he was, like, made to marry, you know, I guess the royal family. They're still traditional in that way, you know? But also, if you look at their relationship and... I mean, this is just like speculation, but people have said that the reason why Charles preferred Camilla was that she wouldn't challenge him or threaten his authority, or as Diana did. Like, Diana definitely made, like, Charles insecure. So, for example, there's pictures of them on a postage stamp together, and you'll see that Diana is, like, she looks shorter than Charles, when actually they were the same height. And I think Diana, definitely, she would argue back. She stuck up for herself. And she showed him up, basically. And even if you look in there, in that in that transcript that was wonderfully narrated by Rowan Lilly, <laughs> but look what he says that her greatest achievement was, is loving him. Even though by this point, he knew that Camilla had two kids. He wouldn't say, but you've had children. He said, your greatest achievement is loving me. That's some narcissistic shit, God. How narcissistic can you get? Like, can you imagine a man saying to you, your greatest achievement is loving me? <laughs> I'd smack him in the face and never speak to him again, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely think like even though people think it's like a convoluted love story I definitely feel like Charles has to feel like he's the one with power authority over his partner and he gets that with Camilla he doesn't get that with Diana I think anyway or he didn't get that with Diana so R.I.P. Princess Diana I love you and that's what makes him like the scrotiest scrote ever and deserving of this roast to scrote no it's not it's not even that that's not even the worst part <laughs> oh we have only begun to roast Oh, there's more? (laughs) We've only just started. So, okay, let's fast forward a few years to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So, as we know, Harry is the Duke of Sussex. He's he's the younger son. He's always been, I feel like he's always been a bit of an outlier within the royal family. So, even Diana herself said that the reason why she gave Harry more attention when the boys were growing up, when William and Harry were growing up, was because she knew that one day William would be king and he will be treated as such as Harry. They would literally refer to him as the spare. It's the same reason why the Queen Mother, so Queen Elizabeth's mum, when she passed away, she left Harry a bigger proportion of the will because she said that William, he'll become, he'll eventually, you know, have the Duchy of Cornwall, which is what he has now, and that will generate a lot of wealth for him. And again, Harry won't get that. So Harry's always been a bit of a wild child. He's been caught smoking weed, using racial slurs, just basically being like a typical lad, basically. And because he's not on track to the throne... He's not really had any sort of, I guess, like path to follow. So he was in the military, did two outstanding tours in Afghanistan. The soldiers who served with him have got nothing but nice things to say about him. And he founded the Invictus Game. So he's very much been sort of the philanthropist side, almost like his mum. That's why people say he's like his mum. That's like a reformed image of him, right? Because I do remember like the very famous picture of him in a Nazi uniform, which is... Yeah, he was a wild child growing up. He was an edgelord. (laughs) Especially coming from his family, right? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Think about the fact that, what, 40 million people died in World War II? His great aunt was like a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, his great aunts were Nazis. 
Yeah, so Philip's sisters, they were Nazis, like formerly associated with Nazis. It's rumoured that Edward VIII, who abdicated and Wallace, they were heavily associated with the Nazis as well. It's rumoured that Wallace was sleeping with a couple of them, but who knows. But yeah. Also, Edward VIII was a dirty racist as well, so I'm kind of glad that he wasn't near the throne, but that's just an aside. I used to feel sorry for him until I found out he was racist. I'm like, yeah, fuck him. It just feels odd for me for a British monarch to be a Nazi supporters i mean they're german right like isn't the british like 150 200 years ago they were german like yeah this is all news to me (laughs) so philip prince philip he was actually a greek prince so he was born in greece his mom is greek and his sisters married germans and his extended family are like german and russian that's also part of the reason why king george didn't they were skeptical about philip because firstly he wasn't british secondly he had no fucking money like he was broke like he was like living he was basically like a ward of the state like he was a charity case so he was passed around extended like relatives like the greeks had a had a revolution so their monarchy wasn't like in power yeah and also his other, the other side of his family. So the German, you know, Germany had a revolution. Russia had a revolution. So basically all of his extended family and his immediate family were toppled from their thrones, basically. So he approached Elizabeth with absolutely no money, which is why I just can't imagine the audacity that she elevated him to something like meaningful and he still cheated on her. But that's an aside. Um, <laughs> you cheat on the Queen of fucking England when you don't even have a penny to your name. But typical men. <laughs> Male audacity knows no ends, honestly. Like, that's why you, these men who get raised up by their women, like, they'll never show any gratitude for that. They'll just, like, resent her for it because of the fact that they rely on her for his status, right? And also, that's what Philip did. That's the reason why males in the family are known as Mountbatten-Windsor, because originally they would have all had Elizabeth's last name, which is Windsor. But then Philip complained and says, I'm the only man in England who can't pass his name down to his kids. So to appease him, they made it double barrel. So, for example, like the children of Harry and Meghan are Mountbatten-Windsor as their surname. But it's just like, she gave you a title and like, you're like one of the most senior people and that's not enough for you. Like, you still want to give your kids your last name, even though you didn't pass down the title or anything like worth having to them. But that's just me anyway. Yeah, the scrotery is hereditary, I think, in this family. (laughs) It's just the entitlement. Hereditary scrotery. It's just the entitlement. Like, I must pass down my legacy, even though my wife's legacy is greater than I can ever possibly imagine. Yeah, what legacy? He's a broke Greek evicted prince. What legacy? <laughs> what legacy? <laughs> right? His last name? Really? Mountbatten? <laughs> okay. Like, anyways. And it wasn't even his actual original last name. It was previously Battenberg, but they changed it to sound more English. But anyway, that's a massive aside. I could talk about those all day. But anyway, so Harry and Meghan. So as we all know, Harry and Meghan get married. Like Meghan Markle is almost seen, she's not seen on the same level as Diana, but she's seen as a positive addition to the quite closed royal. So she was very outspoken. She called herself a feminist. She had a career before she married into the Rupert. She closed her own doors. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she closed her own doors. Like she, and she was American. 
She wore dresses without pantyhose. Ah, she was just too progressive. (laughs) But yeah, and she was biracial, obviously. She was divorced, which was a huge, I guess, a huge step in the modernization of the royal family, so to speak. But then, like, Meghan begins to get really, really, like, terrible press to the point where, you know, the newspapers would say things like straight out of Compton because she's from California, but it's like, she's not from Compton. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's biracial and from California. (laughs) So racist. But then the press would deny and say there was ever a racial element, but then you said straight out of Compton, like who lives in Compton, mainly impoverished African-Americans. And then it got to a point where if, say, you know, Megan did something, say, like, eat avocados, the headline would be like, oh, you know, Megan's favourite food linked to murder in the Amazon. Whereas if Kate did it, then honestly, that would be a real, like, headline. But then if Kate did it, it would be seen as, oh... Kate eats healthy fats or something, yeah. Eats healthy foods, yeah. So, like, Megan was criticised for touching her baby bump when she was pregnant, because apparently that's a sign that she's a narcissist. But when Kate did it, it was all, like, maternal instinct, yada, yada, yada. And also, again, I sort of feel like this is where William start the scrotiness starts to emerge. So this is allegedly around the same time... Harry and Meghan are having issues with the press was supposedly around the same time William starts stepping out with one of Kate's best friends and has an affair with her. And it's quite telling because in a joint public appearance with William and Kate, William tries to touch Kate, but she literally recoils from him, like, don't touch me sort of thing. I feel so bad for her, honestly. I mean, I do as well. And, you know, jumping back to what we said earlier in the episode. So basically the whole, you know, William meeting Kate, it wasn't the most organic thing. So I think um, her mother um, connived to make sure that Kate was in the same year as William at St. Andrews so that she could potentially marry a prince. And they had a long relationship beforehand. He dumped her in quite a brutal way in 2007. So he literally did it over the phone after they'd been dating for like six years. So she was like a forever girlfriend for a while there. Yeah. And then he got back with her basically after he realized in his social circle, no one else wanted him. And then they get engaged shortly after that and then go on to have three children, you know, the rest. But I think it was supposedly that Megan was getting was supposedly meant to be a distraction for the story about William stepping out on Kate. But I also think as well that William and Kate and the royals generally, they felt somehow that again, like Megan and Harry were just way more popular than William and Kate, who were the feet to crown prince and princess. Yeah, because you got Americans to care, right? Because we didn't care. And then suddenly we're all monarch experts because someone from our team, yeah, like went over and married someone in the British monarchy. And didn't get kicked out this time. <laughs> yeah, and didn't get kicked out. And she's biracial. So then like now you have all the black Americans who like want to rally around her. And she had a very like their wedding. She had like a black preacher I had like a lot of like specifically African-American cultural elements there and like cultural icons like Oprah, Serena Williams, etc. So like now it's personal, like now it's like gang over here, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now they've got black Twitter on her side. They're unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> She's got the biggest army. Yeah. <laughs> like Khaleesi. And it was so funny at the wedding as well. They had this black preacher and he was preaching about like slavery, colonialism. And I felt like, (laughs) I know, I watched it. I felt like, do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) I was dying because I know he took, no, he knows who he's talking to. That's the thing. (laughs) That's That's why I was like, this is the most 
American shit ever. Like, go to another country. <laughs> just to don't give a shit. <laughs> not give a shit. And, like, talk shit to their face during their wedding. Because that, like, on a smaller scale, that's what a lot of American weddings are like, period. So, like, to see that happen to the British monarchy. <laughs> Let me take this opportunity to talk my shit. Like, then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so American. And you can literally see, like, Zara Phillips, who's the Queen's granddaughter, just looking around, like, I think she's trying not to laugh, maybe because it's just the irony of just, like, ranting against colonialism while she was sat there. But also, like, Meghan's popularity was palpable here. Like I said, the example of where somebody said to Queen Elizabeth, like, the Queen, oh, just can you give these flowers to Meghan? Like, and then in, like, one of Meghan's final public appearances in the UK before they left to go to California, she did get a surprise appearance at a school and they interviewed the school children afterwards and they were like oh when I saw the black car come up I was a bit disappointed because I thought it'd be Kate but it was (laughs) children have no chill but I don't think they meant it as a sight but yeah but they were disappointed it wasn't Kate instead it was Meghan Markle instead no no they were disappointed because they thought it was Kate at first but then they were happy that it was Meghan okay so they were happy it was Meghan but they were like yeah, but they were like, when I saw the car, I was like, oh, no, it's Kate. But then... Um... <laughs> oh, okay. I was so confused. I thought you were saying that they were happy. They wanted Kate. And then when Meghan Markle showed up, it was disappointed. But instead, they saw Kate show up and they were like, ah. Like, and then, and then they ended up being <laughs> Meghan Markle. And then they were happy about that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Eventually, they do a Megxit. For some reason, everyone seems to think that this whole like Megxit thing was all Meghan's idea. And I don't believe it is. I think like Harry has wanted out for a very long time. And I think Meghan was just his excuse to do it. So they leave and go to California. And then in their Oprah interview, Harry basically says that Charles has just stopped speaking to him. And he stopped taking his calls as well, because initially they were funded from the Duchy of Cornwall, which is at the time, because Charles was the Duke of Cornwall, that was basically his moneymaker. Now, the Duchy of Cornwall is worth like £20 million a year. This was a fucking private estate set up by like one of the King Edwards like 700 years ago or like 800 years ago as like a private estate to make income for his like eldest son or for the, you know the heir to the throne kind of thing, which I guess like was at the time an important thing so that like it's to improve the king's chances of like his son, you know, having more money. <laughs> actually living to the age of 10. <laughs> actually like living, you know, surviving, you know, if there was ever like a dispute because back then like the inheritance, you know, there's a lot of like conflicts over like paternity. <laughs> You know, the king's brother, well, paternity, but also like the king's brother might want to like steal the throne or whatever, like, and usurp him or whatever, basically is like to give his son like a sort of insurance against potential usurpers, right? And now it's just like something that the eldest son of the king or queen just makes a fuck ton of money from, right? Like, sort of, yeah, like 20 million. Yeah, they're literally at least 20 million a year. So like William is now a very, very rich man. And I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so anyway, eventually they were basically cut off. So Harry's basically been living off the inheritance he got from the Queen Mother and Princess Diana. They've obviously been trying different like business ventures, you know, podcasts and documentaries and stuff like that, just to try and make a living. Meanwhile, back over the pond, it comes out that Andrew is a sweaty nonce, most likely. And I sort of feel like 
some feminists have quite selective memories because even though obviously you know Queen Elizabeth seemed like a formidable woman but let's not forget that just a few months ago she used taxpayers money to silence Virginia Roberts as well taxpayers money to bail out sweaty nonce Andrew yeah accusing him of molesting her when she was underage and was trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein so that family Yeah, so that sort of pissed everyone off for a while because it was like £10 million. And after that disastrous interview with Emily Maitlis, who is a journalist, where that Prince Andrew did, he's basically, the backlash was so severe that he basically was stripped of his titles, his patronages, and basically just withdrew from public life. Like, well, he didn't retire. He was just basically taken out of circulation. So I was very surprised to learn that when King Charles III came to the throne, that Andrew is now back in the public eye because it's like no one wants him there. And if you think Charles is a scrot, Andrew is a bigger scrot than Charles. Obviously, you know, child molestation aside, but his servants would say he would be an absolute prick to them. So he would literally like when he sees them, he would just tell them to fuck off, like for no reason. He was very adamant that his daughters. Uh, Beatrice and Eugenie that they would get 24-7 security to which Charles said no fucking way and he seems quite entitled so like recently he damaged a gate I think it was at Windsor he just drove through it because he couldn't wait for it to open like so he seems very entitled and it was rumoured that Andrew was the Queen's favourite son when she was alive as well which would sort of make sense really? ew but yeah (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that makes me like her a little bit less now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's just unfortunate all her sons are scrotes, to be honest. I can't really think of it. I mean, Edward was like berated by Prince Philip because he dropped out of military training after two weeks. And so Philip went round there and just basically called him a waste of space to the point where he started crying. Nice. <laughs> My thirst for male blood can be satisfied with male tears. It is an appropriate substitute. (laughs) I mean, because obviously Philip served in the Navy. I think he was a naval officer as well. So Edward wasn't really doing anything with his life. So he thought, okay, I'll join the military and then didn't even last the basic training. So Prince Philip went round there and just gave him like a bollocking to the point where Edward allegedly cried. (laughs) Why are all of his sons? Like, Princess Anne, like, Anne, Princess Royal, I guess, she's got a thick skin, but why are all of their sons so weak-willed? I think it's just male. I just think it's just men. But that's why. They're just men. Like, they're just weak, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Yeah, I think, I mean, Princess Anne is seems to be the least problematic sibling. She had a divorce in the late 80s, early 90s, but she got remarried. She's had two kids who seem to be doing well and she just gets on with her role. Like you don't really see her doing a madness like her brothers. Yeah, she just does her job as a royal and then, you know, does her Olympic dressage stuff. You know, she's got a career, I guess. She's actually quite good at that. Yeah, she was quite good at that. She went to the, I think she went to the Olympics at one point, or maybe that was Zara went to the Olympics, her daughter. So yeah, that was a long ramble about the state of the rules. At the moment, it seems like William and Harry are not on speaking terms at all. William, um, like Harry was disinvited to a state dinner that all the world leaders are attending in honour of Queen Elizabeth II before her funeral. Officially, it's apparently because it's only working royals, but apparently Andrew's going to be there and he's not fucking worked. So it's still quite frosty between them. 
And to be honest, I just don't see the monarchy getting any better. I think the Commonwealth will split within the next 20 years because, I mean, there's been a lot of Republican sentiment amongst the Commonwealth. So Jamaica, they made it clear, like even to William's face when he was there, that we want to leave this shit. They literally just said, we want to go. But I think they sort of held fire because they had that respect and loyalty to Queen Elizabeth II. But now she's gone. I think that tie is just going to be broken, like finally. And they're all just going to break away, hopefully. There should be like a battle royale between her kids for the throne. Like, why do they assume it should be the oldest son? Like, the four of them should have a fight to the death and whichever... They should be like, you know... (laughs) Didn't that used to happen in some, like, royal families? They were literally just duel. In some countries, yeah. The Turkish ones, usually, yeah. They... Yeah, like, uh, the brothers would all, like, kill each other. But I think my money would be on Anne. I think she would win. That's why I support this battle royale. I think she's the... Just have another female monarch. Yeah, just have another female monarch. I, like, immediate first thought after seeing that the queen died was like, okay, now we need to abolish the monarchy now that the next three are going to be kings. Yeah, at least the next three are going to be kings. That just pisses me off. Exactly. I only support monarchy when there's a queen. Like, I'm anti-monarchy when there's a king. But Queen Victoria, I mean, yeah, there's the whole colonialism aspect again, but, like, I think she actually did not... Other than the colonialism, she didn't do a bad job. (laughs) Same thing with Queen Lizzie, but I don't think men are fit, like, leaders. First of all, they don't have the longevity. Like, why is it always like, oh, this guy was a king and he was king for, like, two years and then croaked? But it's always like... (laughs) 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 Right? All the longest reigning ones are women. It's true. Our women, if you look at Edward VII, he lasted nine years. King George VI, I think, he lasted 26 years, which is respectable. And then Queen Elizabeth's dad, he lasted 16 years. <laughs> and also, if you look at Charles now, the guy's 73, like, and if you look at his fingers, people laugh at his fingers, but that's a sign of a serious health problem. It's either diabetes or a heart or kidney problem. So he's not going to last 20 years. Like, he will be like gone within the next two decades yeah like he's gonna be a blip in history right and then like william i don't know like the state of his health is but again he's not gonna reign for 70 years even if he comes to the throne next year like it's unlikely he'll live till what's a hundred and something so all the longest reigning monarchs in british history have all been women victoria and elizabeth yeah and also i just think women are fundamentally like better in leadership roles Yeah, I think they provide more stability as well. And just general, the matriarchy. Like testosterone, I think men are just hormonally not, like their hormones just prevent them from being able to think rationally. And that's why I think that men should not be in any kind of leadership role. Like honestly, testosterone just makes them lead with their dick. And we all know what happens when that happens. So you end up with these disgusting transcripts. You know, the future king says he wants to be a tampon because they think with their dick, like they're just not rational beings. And it also like gets me when people say like, oh, you know, Queen Elizabeth was so formidable. She got so many people's respect. And I'm just like, but in private, you know, bearing in mind she came to the throne at what, 25, and you know, the people who had to report into her were double her age. I don't think for a second that they treated her with the respect that they should have done from the beginning. I honestly think she was probably, she faced severe misogyny, like sexism. Obviously, they couldn't publicly criticize her, but in private, they probably treated her like shit because this was a young woman who was really never meant to be queen, who's now your sovereign. You know, men and their egos, they're not just going to bow down and take it. At least, 
in private, they won't. So I fully believe that in private, they were probably more speaking to Philip than her or just making out that she was a complete airhead or that she was incompetent. I fully believe that just because she was a woman. But yeah, she outlived all of them. So she got the last laugh, I guess. So, but yeah, that is a whistle stop tour of the state of the monarchy. I think Charles is going to be a shit king. I just hope we basically become a republic. This, honestly, this whole monarchy presidential system is one error I think the Americans have it over us is that oh thanks the presidential system is infinitely you guys finally admit <laughs> at least one thing <laughs> I'll give- <laughs> i'm the united kingdom 10 america one <laughs> in our situation when we have stupid people in office we can get rid of them right like imagine if trump was like uh, a monarch for life a monarch or just imagine if andrew was the older sibling he would be king by now and there's fuck all we can do about it and it's like in the uk royalists have this weird argument where they say oh the royals are purely symbolic but it's like but we don't give them symbolic money like we don't shut down the country symbolically like you know they're still exempt from the law like as of now king charles the third cannot be charged with any crime if he goes and murders somebody he cannot be charged for it like you know they have real power and you know like you said in a democracy anybody should i mean obviously it doesn't work out in practicality but in theory anybody should be able to become the head of state that's not the case in england like the royal family can't both be symbolic but at the same time they work so hard and that you know britain needs them like which is it? They can't be both. Like, literally, people will say King Charles III has the hardest job in the world. What? Yeah, that's, um, that's delusion. Do people not say that about your president? Do they not say the president has the hardest job in the world? Do they not say that? Yeah, but he actually has the hardest job in the world. <laughs> because... <laughs> Can we talk about actually how fucking easy the royals have it? I mean, yeah, there's decorum and stuff. To be fair, meeting hundreds of people you don't give a shit about will be dead, not gonna lie, like... I'd be bored. The thing that I hate the most about Charles, honestly, like, I disliked him up until, like, a few days ago. (laughs) When I saw that clip of him, like, gesturing, like, through gritted teeth to a servant to move the ink slightly over to the side, I just knew that, like... You could have moved it yourself. Well, I mean, I guess there's, like, you know, if he's got his hands full or if there's, like, certain decorum or certain, like, you know procedures that they're supposed to follow as royals i get that but like you could have just like held your hand open like for me if i'm like gesturing to someone or you know say i have my hands full or something and i I want them to move something for me you know i just have my hand open and like look at the item until they understand what i'm asking and like it might take a few seconds but eventually they're like ah you know and then they'll move it and we kind of laugh it off and then it's like it's not a negative vibe kind of thing right the way that he went about it was the most negative vibe that you could possibly do it like yeah, you know, like servant, like slave, like, you know, move this faster out of my way kind of thing. I don't know. It's just like, I just hate everything about the way that his body language is, you know? Where are the body language experts now, huh? Right. I've seen a million of them when it comes to Meghan Markle. Like Everything she does is apparently evidence of her raging narcissism and entitlement and contempt for the British people. Yeah. Where are the body language experts dunking on Charles for his raging narcissism and entitlement, right? Move this from my presence, you peasant. (laughs) I mean, I did see a handful of people talking about Camilla's reaction. Because in that video, you can see Camilla looking quite like, I think she looked quite uncomfortable. And somebody said that that could be because Charles is prone to losing his temper. Like in a different clip, you see Charles literally like exploding because his pen wasn't working. Like literally storming out of the room. Didn't even wait for Camilla, literally saying, oh, those stinking pens never work and just storming out in a half. Whereas, and he literally left Camilla, like, on her own. (laughs) 
that note was weird. So first, he was trying to get the pen to work. Then the pen started leaking. Then he gave it to Camilla, made it her problem. Then the ink got all over her. And then Charles just had a hissy fit and stormed out and left Camilla on her own. And it's just like, who does that? Like, what man does that? Explodes over a pen. First of all, he's extremely weak-willed. That's the other thing. It's like, men who get, like, upset... I I meet guys like this all the time in real life, where, like, they're so prone to, like, anger over really small things. They're really unbearable to be around. Like, you're intimidated by them because physically, yeah, they could, like, beat the shit out of you because they're bigger than you. Or they're just, like, intimidating. Their presence is just intimidating, right? Even just emotionally. Yeah, I just hate these sorts of men who are just so mentally weak that they can't control their emotions, but they're intimidating enough that you're scared of them and what happens when they don't control their emotions. So that immediately made me think like he probably treats Camilla like shit behind closed doors. Honestly, I feel for her. Yeah, that's what I think. And also it's not like she can like say anything like Kate as well. Like they can't say anything because obviously the Royal family are going to avoid a Diana situation again. Yeah. She doesn't want to get murked like Diana. Okay. But also I think Camilla knows that even if she did, eventually if she did want to go down the route of diana she just wouldn't have the same public support if anything people will be saying it'll be like schadenfreude like you deserve it which is misogynistic in itself because she still doesn't deserve that i just hope she's happy anyway because from the way she was looking it just seemed like you know she was used to charles like blowing up at servants over like stupid shit like a pen not working properly and it's just embarrassing for her and for him it's embarrassing for him but it's embarrassing to be married to a man like that Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Charles has no shame and he's clearly in, he feels entitled to behave that way in public. Whereas you could tell Camilla looked quite like uncomfortable about how the situations were playing out. That's the thing. Like he feels entitled to behave that way in public, but she knows that if she was even 10% as nasty as that, or even 1% as nasty as that, that she would get destroyed in the media. Right. So it's like her Kate and Meghan Markle have to be like on their best behavior or else they get ripped apart in the media again because of misogyny whereas like i mean king charles is getting ripped apart by for the pen thing too right but it's not in the same way it's like oh haha he's so silly like he's so stupid or you know he's such a scro like what we're doing right but doesn't have the same like misogynistic energy as when if camilla were to right so she knows she can't behave like that in public the royal family would never let her hear the end of it honestly i feel bad for her yeah exactly so that's our whistle stop tour of the royals and why we over at FDS are very, very sad that Charles is now king. Like, literally, like, the day after Elizabeth, like, died and all that stuff about Andrew coming back to public and Charles moving mad came out, all the comments from, like, Republicans were like, Lizzie, wake up. <laughs> Charles moving mad. <laughs> <laughs> like, Charles moving mad. Everyone was like, like, Lizzie, wake up. Like, come back. <laughs> Lizzie, come back. You should have put your son out of this misery when he was young. God, like... <laughs> I mean, I was slightly hoping that, like, because it was thought for a long time, because obviously people thought the Queen would live to past 100, like, because her mum was, like, 102. And up until, I'd say, Philip died, she just seemed to keep going. She aged very, very well. She moved well. Like, I'm not surprised that she died, but I was sort of sad that she didn't make it to 100, because I thought if any warrior would live to 100, it would be her, because she just seemed to just keep going. Like, literally, she received the British Prime Minister Liz Truss literally two days before she died. So she was literally, I guess, like, working up until she literally dropped. So I was disappointed in that regard. But yeah, so we just ended up with Charles and then William and then George and then who knows what else next. But I'm kind of hoping the monarchy won't last as long. It won't get to William. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, same. Revolution. 
I hope they destroy the monarchy, honestly. I hope that Charles is, like, the last king. The last king. And that would be, like, you know, like we said at the top of the episode, that would be so fitting with history because the last two King Charleses, it didn't really work out for them. Didn't they get revolutioned? Like... Uh, One of them got beheaded. I can't remember which one. And then the second one was the son of the beheaded guy, but I don't think he lasted very long before he croaked either. So, yeah. So, yeah. Should Charles be king? Ring-a-ding-ding. Let us know. Actually, Charles is now king. Ring-a-ding-ding. Sad. I mean, going by Irish Twitter, Indian Twitter, Caribbean Twitter. <laughs> Where are you finding these country tweets? Because all I've seen is All I've seen is like hateration and holleration. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the crocodile. <laughs> at the monarchy for the past couple of days uh, with a bunch of flags in the profile. I bet Charles about don't need no hateration. <laughs> Americans mostly stay out of it unless you go you come from Meghan Markle. Unless you come from Megan. Yeah, but otherwise, like, all the rest of them, I've never seen so many brutal roasts in my life. Uh, things that are not... <laughs> I can't even repeat because we'll probably be kicked off the platform. Like, there was one woman who... She went hard. She went so hard on Queen Elizabeth that she was suspended from Twitter. And Jeff Bezos, former CEO of Amazon, actually quote tweeted her like, oh my God, <laughs> because she basically said, I'm glad QE2 is dead and fuck the monarchy. And they killed a bunch of people. So yeah, there's a lot of people who uh, who are very invested in the British monarchy being no more. Cillian Murphy, shout out to him because there's like, I don't know why this is so weirdly hot. Oh, what's he said? No, there's just like this video of, I think, Prince Harry trying to meet the cast of one of his movies. And then like, he gives him like a polite handshake and then like... No, he meets the Peaky Blinders cast. Oh yeah, Peaky Blinders cast. I thought it was that or it was Dunkirk. I couldn't remember if it was a movie or if it was from the show. So yeah, so then... He gives him like the dirtiest, steeliest scowl afterwards. And it's like oddly very hot. Yeah, I love Cillian Murphy. And also the Irish obviously don't forget that they assassinated uh, Lord Mountbatten, the one who red-pilled Prince Charles. They blew him up in 1979. Go for them! They've never actually apologized for it as well. Like Jerry Adams, who was, I think he was president of Sinn Féin, I want to say. He's an Irish Republican Party. He basically said, like, it was a good thing that he was blown up. 20 years later, he basically said, I'm not going to take it. I said what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I mean everything I say. Why would I apologize when I meant it? Because after the Good Friday agreement, they thought that maybe he would reconsider. But he was like, basically, I said what I said. (laughs) Let's just move on. So the Irish and the British have a very frosty relationship. So yeah, good on Cillian Murphy. And yeah, that's made him hot to know that he just doesn't give a shit about the Royals. He's hot anyway, but that just added. Yeah, they've been going in for, you know, a good week now. And it's been entertaining. I've been really enjoying the Irish reaction to the Queen's death. That was also very amusing. <laughs> I'm just sitting here on the sidelines. Are they still on about the potato family? <laughs> the potato family? <laughs> Waiting for them to talk about... <laughs> Are they still not about that? <laughs> the potato famine. Are they still someone talking about that? Their little jiggy dances. <laughs> Can't tell them they can do their little jiggy dances. We won't stop them. Because <laughs> there was like a massive potato famine in the 1800s that really like in Ireland that like tanked the British's popularity to the point where Queen Victoria had to like send money from her own funds to like help them out. Uh, I don't think the Irish have ever really forgiven us for that. As they should. They shouldn't actually give us for that. Yeah, and so now because of King Charles, I think I am now staunchly Republican. Like, yeah, now that Charles is king, I now think we should 
like dead ass we should abolish the monarchy like actually yeah i mean i couldn't bring myself to be too nasty because anytime because i've always been a republican but anytime i was criticizing the royals i'll be like oh elizabeth's not bad and for our listeners like a republican is different than the united states version just make sure we say that because people oh yeah yeah, yeah. not like u.s republican like not with you crazy lot but i mean like a republic politically republican not like american republican a political republic is what they're talking about as in i don't want a monarchy republic yeah because you know we'll get dragged for that if i don't say that so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean because americans a lot of our american audience is not aware that there are other countries outside of america (laughs) and so when we say things that refer to other countries existing they get confused (laughs) that's right we're proud of our ignorance. No, Lila says she's a Republican, so that means that she is against abortion or something like that. And it's like, no, no, ho. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I'm just for the Republic of UK. Like, not having a monarchy, yeah. So, yeah. So, I'd criticize the Morris when I'd be like, okay, but, you know, Queen Elizabeth, she's a sweet old lady. I don't mean her. But now she's gone, I can say all of them, apart from Harry and Meghan. But, but actually, they're out of it as well. So, all of them, yeah, they all need to go. They all need to go... What should the title of this episode be? Deadass, we should abolish the monarchy? <laughs> what should we call? I think we should just make inflammatories as usual. Yeah. Roast a scrot of King Charles. <laughs> Our tampon king. <laughs> yeah, the tampon king! The tampon king! No, just say the tampon... No, no, the tampax king. Yeah, the tampon king. <laughs> the tampax. No, 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 I don't want tampax. We don't have a brand deal of tampax, okay? Oh, true, true. Oh, true. The tampon king, a roast of of King Charles III. (laughs) Yes, the tampon king. That's what he's called on, like, English Twitter, the tampon king. Really? That's what they call him, the tampon king? Yeah, because people dug up the transcripts, like, saying our future king was, like, compared himself to a tampon. (laughs) A used tampon, by the way. A used tampon. Oh, my God. No, they call him King Tampon, not the Tampon King. Yeah. God save the Tampon King. <laughs> so that's what we call the Tampon King, a race of King Charles III. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode, ladies. Check us out on our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com forward slash forum if you want to talk to us on the forum. Also visit our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy for more bonus content. Our Discord if you want to chat with us. If you want to submit a roast to scrote or a queen shit or a Gnosis for us to read aloud on the podcast in one of our future roast to scrote episodes, you can do that on the Patreon as well as check us out on Twitter at femdeathstrat and Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrotes out there, learn how tampons work. Die mad. See y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>